Turn your Bible, please, to Hebrews chapter 4. Brother Rick and his wife and Miss Lay, his mother, have painted that beautiful bus out there, and they've named it the Lee Kennedy Special. And I think that was beautiful. Uh, Brother Dan, you'll be sure to see that bus, the Lee Kennedy Special. Brother Daniel is Lee's grandson. Our Bible's open to Hebrews chapter 4. We started here last Wednesday night and didn't get very far, but uh, I want you to notice, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now we mentioned the other night that the word rest is mentioned in three different ways in this passage. It is mentioned as the rest of salvation in verse 3, the rest of victory in verse 9, and the rest of heaven in verse 11. And we'll look at that in a moment or two. And so he says, therefore fear lest any of us being left as being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, in my judgment, as this word is used, rest here, it's speaking of all three. And it's a word of warning to those who have never been saved. It's also a word of, word of warning to those who have made professions of faith but are following afar off. And it's a word of warning to those who fear that their salvation will not last. That's a very interesting thing. In the third chapter of John, which we'll be studying in Sunday school next Sunday, Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, and that word believeth is progressive tense, believe, keep on believing, it is not punctilious, it's not something you believed a long time ago and you don't believe it any longer, but it's something you believe and Christ comes into your life and the Holy Spirit gives you that continual belief. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How long is everlasting? Now those who teach you can be lost after you're saved do not deal with that passage. What they do is find some other warnings in the scripture like in Hebrews. And they, see, they say, well, you see, if you don't hold out true to the end, you're not going to be saved. You won't go to heaven. You can believe all you want to, but if you don't keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on living a straight and narrow road, you won't go to heaven. That isn't what Jesus said. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth and they believe that brings salvation is progressive. Amen. It is not punctilious. It's not something you did a long time ago and you forgot all about it. It is a confidence you place in Christ that he will take you to heaven. Amen. It's like getting on a train. When you get on a train, I don't, we don't have many passenger trains around here, but if you used to get on a train in Louisville, 
to go to New Orleans, you'd get on that train, unless you got off of it, it would carry you on through. But some of those trains were express trains. They didn't stop. And when you got on, you'd have to jump off if you got off. You'd have to keep on going. When you got on, you're soon as in New Orleans. It's like a jet airplane going from here to Los Angeles. You get on that airplane, and unless you jump out with a parachute or no parachute, you're going to go to Los Angeles. Now, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, and Christ really comes into your heart, and you're born again of His Spirit, you're going to be in heaven. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, Whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And whom He predestinated, them He called. Whom He called, them He justified. And whom He justified, them He glorified. They're all in the past tense just as if it had already happened. So if you're really born again, now I don't mean if you've just made a profession of faith, but if you've been born again, you've let Jesus come into your life and change you, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you're as good as in heaven already. That's the reason we need to live triumphant lives. That's the reason we need to live overcoming lives, because we're overcomers. Not because we're overcomers, but because He's the overcomer, and our faith is in the overcomer. And we're overcoming because he's the overcomer. Well, the warning here is, lest, let us therefore fear, lest any, uh, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to, seem, seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, a few weeks ago, we studied Mark chapter 4 that spoke of the four different kinds of soil. The hard ground, the stony ground, the ground was thorny, and the good ground. Some believe that only one of that group were really saved. Others believe that two of them were saved. But obviously, two were not, and yet it said they believed. There's also the story in the book of Acts of a man that believed and was baptized. And when he saw Peter doing some great work, he offered Peter some money so he could do the same thing. And Peter said, your money perish with you. You have no part in the kingdom. He had believed. He had been baptized, but was not saved. What does that mean? Verse 2, the belief was not mixed with faith. Professions do not save you. Possessions save you. You can make a profession of faith in Christ, but if Christ doesn't come in, if you've not received Him into your heart, you're just tricking yourself if you think you're on your way to heaven. So that's what this warning is about. Lest any of you should seem to come short of it, because it was not mixed with faith. That belief was not mixed with faith. But now look at verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. That's salvation. We who have believed have entered into rest. What have we believed? That Jesus was God's Son. He came down a cross for our sins. He was buried, and three days later he was raised from the grave, and he offers a pardon to whosoever will, and I've come and received that pardon. And Christ lives inside of me. To as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God. 
For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. What works? The works of salvation. It's all finished. You don't work to get saved. You don't work to go to heaven. You're not going to heaven because you came to church tonight. You're not going to heaven because you live a good life. You're going to heaven because he lived the good life, the perfect life, and your faith is in him. Now, when your faith is in him, he'll give you a desire for God's people. If you say you have fellowship with God and hate the brethren, there's something wrong. If you say you have fellowship with God and do not walk in the light as he is in the light, you don't have fellowship with him. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Look at verse 4. For he spake in a certain space, a place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus would, a better translation of that is Joshua. The reason for that. In the original language, the words for Jesus and Joshua are interchangeable. Joshua means Savior. Jesus means Savior. And the early translators forgot about that, and they put Jesus in here. But if you'll notice, if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Jesus did give rest. What he's saying here, if Joshua could have given you the rest, then would he not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Now that rest is heaven. There remains a rest. What a haven of rest for the weary. How wonderful heaven is. Had a funeral today. Mrs. Reed, Reese and uh, I'm so glad we've been able to talk about heaven. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Not everybody talking about heaven is going there. Only those who have received Christ as personal Savior. Those who have repented of sin. Repentance is a doctrine for the unsaved and the saved. Remember, if you have repented of your sins and received Christ as your Savior, He put within you a recognition when you get out of hand it leads you to repent again and ask God to forgive you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we do not repent, the relationship is not broken, but the fellowship is. For example, if your little child is angry and misbehaves and disobeys you, you may have to discipline him. You, you may have to uh, fuss at him. Maybe you have to whip him. But he's still your child. That relationship isn't broken. The fellowship is. But when that little child, whether, <clears throat> whether you catch him and, and he's wrong or, or he comes and has a, a, a heart of repentance and comes and says, Daddy, Mama, I did that and I'm sorry. What do you do? Kick him out? No, it makes you love him more. It makes you realize how precious that one is to you.
That's the way God is. And when we come to him and say, Lord, I've made a mistake. I, I'm wrong. I, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. The Lord restores you. He loves you. So, <coughs> so repentance is a doctrine for the saved as well as the unsaved. Verse 10. <coughs> for he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now isn't that something? He that has entered into his rest, into God's rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from us. From his. So the, the comparison is God for six days created the heavens and the earth and then the seventh day he rested. This was a symbol that Jesus would accomplish our salvation by what he did on the cross and then he rested. And he says, when you have entered into his rest, you've also finished your works. You're not saved by your works. Now, verse 11, let us therefore, let us labor therefore to enter into his rest. Now here the word rest is referring to victory in the Christian life. You remember the children of Israel came out of Egypt. It was 11 days journey from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea. They could have gone into the promised land then. But when they got to Kadesh Barnea, they had faith failure. They sent some spies in and they saw fenced and walled cities and, and giants and they came back and said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. Two men came back, Joshua and Caleb, and said, we're well able to do it because God will do it. The battle belongs to the Lord. The ten said, we can't do it. They had faith failure. So for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. They did not go in. But he says, labor, therefore, to enter into that rest of victory. Crossing over the Jordan was not a symbol of death. It was a symbol of crossing into victory land. A lot of people live pygmy, dwarfed, crippled spiritual lives. They hang on to their old habits. They hang on to their old friends. And they live dwarfed, little lives. Years ago, we had a young man in our church that was saved. Had a vibrant testimony. He gave his testimony at Camp Joy and on a radio broadcast here in the auditorium. His name was Ed. He was about 17 or 18 years old. He had been on drugs and liquor and everything else. But he was changed. There was obvious evidence for about a year that he was a Christian. Then he said to me one day, I'm going to go back and try to win my friends to the Lord, my old friends. I said, Ed, you're not strong enough. Don't, don't try it. Oh, he said, yes, I am. He said, I've been a Christian for a year. He said, I'm going to go back and do it. I'm going to go back and hang out with them and try to win them to the Lord and get them to come to church. Well, he disappeared for three or four weeks. I knew there was an alarm. I tried to see him. I got a phone call. Ed is dead. I learned that, that old, those old group of friends on drugs had been jealous of him. He didn't go back to the drugs, but they hated him, and they killed him. And they put him out on a highway, had a car run over him, made it look like it was an accident. I had his funeral. Five young people came forward giving their hearts to Christ at that funeral. You see, 
sometimes you're not strong enough to go back and try to reach the people from which you come out. That could mean your family. It could mean friends you used to run around with. You're just not strong enough. Don't try it. You keep on keeping on, keep on keeping on. Invite them. Go by and invite them to come, but don't hang out with them. We're not strong enough. So he says, let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, the rest of the victorious life, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the power of the word of God. It will not return void. It will accomplish that whereunto God hath sent it. As the rain comes down from heaven and the snow and returns not thither but waters the earth and so on, so will my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. The word of God is powerful. Read it. Read it over and over again. You know, our young people that are in the Bible Bowl, I've encouraged them to read that passage ten times. And then mark certain words so that when the questions are given, they'll just have their book, Bible marked, they'll know where those words are, and they'll go back, and they'll, if they've read it enough, they'll know where they are. Plus, it helps them to hide it in their hearts. Amen. The Word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Well, look at verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Isn't that wonderful truth? The Negro spiritual says, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but who? But Jesus, he knows. Amen. And this says, remember that he was tempted in all points like we are. He was tempted with depression. He was tempted to be somebody big and jump off a big cliff and not get hurt so everybody would acclaim him. He was tempted in all points like you and I are tempted, and yet without sin, he would not sin. And when the devil came to him, he just quoted the scripture to the devil. If you're really the son of God and you're hungry, make a, this piece of stone a piece of bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Well, if you're really the son of God, jump down off this cliff. Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He gave the Word of God. And when you and I have the Word of God in our hearts, we can give that back when the devil tries to tempt us. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now in closing, let me point out, and I hope you'll mark these in your Bible, four places where it, somebody called them the four lettuce verses. The four lettuce verses. Look at verse 1. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering this rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Look at verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Look at verse 14. Let us hold fast our profession. Look at verse 16. 
Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, folks, that's an appeal to pray. It's an appeal for us to live such a victorious life that there will be a desire in our hearts to win others to Christ. And let's ask God to use us this summer. What a blessing it is to go through the summer and see people saved. Summer's a good time to see people come to Christ. We want to close tonight by singing, For You I Am Praying. That's number 258. I have a Savior. He's pleading in glory. A dear loving Savior, though earth's friends be few. Let's stand as we sing this hymn. 258. Brian, come and lead us in that, will you please? 258. I have a Savior. He's pleading in glory. A dear loving Savior, though earth's friends be few. Now, as we sing, let the Lord have his way in you. I don't know what page it is. You find it. I didn't write the right page number down. Anyway, we'll sing that in a moment. 158, 158. Now, whatever God has spoken to your heart about tonight, you do it. You may need to come and just kneel at the bench, at the front bench, and just pray. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe there's someone here who is not really sure you're saved. You're not sure you've entered into that rest. Why not come tonight and say, by the grace of God, I want to enter into the rest of Christ. I want to be victory, a victorious life in Christ. Do what God tells you to do while we sing and while we pray. Will you come?